0: Welcome to Real-Time Real Estate, a podcast brought to you by St. Louis Realtors, your voice for real estate. This is Charlie Hinderleiter, Director of Government Affairs for St. Louis Realtors. Today we're talking about sign ordinances, those laws across municipalities and counties that regulate temporary signs, such as our members real estate signs. With me is a member of St. Louis Realtors that's going to wear three hats in our conversation. Grant Maybe is a realtor. He's an attorney with Hein, Schneider, and Bond, and we're going to chat about signs and the First Amendment and get into a little constitutional law. Finally, he's an elected official, the mayor of Crestwood, and that city recently updated their sign ordinance in a way that complies with the 2015 U.S. Supreme Court decision and protects the signs of our members. Mayor Maybe, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to join you today. All right, let's start off. Why do temporary signs matter to our realtors?
1: Well, the for sale sign, I think, is just a classic example of something that we rely on and is expected when we are listing a home for sale. And while most members trust their agent to find them properties that meet their criteria, whether price or features or what have you, you know, a lot of times people are driving around certain neighborhoods or regions or cities or school districts where they're trying to find a home and uh you know seeing a for sale sign in the front yard that may lead to some other opportunities they may have missed on a first pass it may lead to people that are walking their dog or just driving by that aren't currently working with an agent it alerts people like that 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 property is for sale and i think uh leads to uh probably quicker sales and shorter marketing times
0: Fantastic. And and that's a tool that I think the listeners to this podcast will intuitively understand the importance of. And in fact, St. Louis Realtors uh, last year created a municipal survey where we asked the, the 90 governments across St. Louis city and county about what their ordinances are dealing with matters specifically to real estate. And one of the tabs that we've got in that tool is all related to signage, whether or not municipalities and counties allow open house signs on premises, uh, whether or not There's a size restriction or the length of time they're displayed, a variety of questions along those lines. So if members are interested, uh, you can check the link below to find information as well as go to our website at stlrealtors.com. Grant, let's pivot and talk about a 2015 U.S. Supreme Court case that really impacted a lot of signed ordinances across the country and, and certainly in our region as well. So tell us a little bit about Reed versus the town of Gilbert.
1: So Reed versus Gilbert was a, uh, a unanimous Supreme Court decision in that all nine justices agreed with the decision that was handed down. And so all, all nine justices thought that the ordinance at issue in the town of Gilbert, Arizona should have been stricken down. And you did have six judges joining in the majority opinion there, you know, with, with no dissents being filed. And in this case, uh, probably similar to a lot of cities, the town of Gilbert had a comprehensive sign code governing the manner in which outdoor signs were displayed. And there were different size restrictions depending on what the signs said. And so the signs could be uh, political signage, it could be directional signage, uh, it could be advertising signage. And in this case it was a church that had no home they would post these temporary directional signs around the town when they were having a service so they might hold their services at a library or an empty elementary school gym or something like that and on the weekends they would put up signs all over town saying hey here's how you get to our services and because those signs uh, ran afoul of the town's ordinance the town cited them for violating the sign code and then they filed an action uh, saying that that violated the first and 14th amendment by violating their power of free speech. Some of the big takeaways are content-based laws, those that target speech based on its communicative content are presumptively unconstitutional. They can be justified only if the government proves they are narrowly tailored to serve compelling state interest. So the court of course finds that the the sign code Uh, was content-based and the advertising, political, and directional signs were all treated differently. Then the court says, once you've established that, you then look at, well, can those regulations survive strict scrutiny, which requires the government to prove the restriction furthers a compelling interest and is narrowly tailored to achieve that interest. The court does say, even after they uh, struck down this ordinance that Going forward, the kind of things that cities can still regulate, it would be things that have nothing to do with the content of a sign or its message. But the size, the building materials comprising that sign, the lighting, moving parts, and portability uh, can all be considered. And then on public property, towns can go a long way toward entirely forbidding the posting of signs so long as it's done in an even-handed and content-neutral manner.
0: So really the key here is they're talking about that content neutrality. It's whether or not you've got to read the sign in order to regulate it. So if they call it a real estate sign already, that's out the window because you've had to read the sign in order to regulate it. Uh, So is that kind of the direction that the court's taken here?
1: Absolutely. And you, and you succinctly stated it. And, and frankly, the way you phrase that even is how most sign codes used to be written is there'd say, uh, you know, real estate signs was one of the categories of signage. And then there would be certain rules governing those. Then there was political signs, certain certain rules governing those, uh, construction and development signs, professional signs. But um, that's really the rule now that if, if you need to read the sign um, without just looking at the location, the size, the materials, what zoning district it's in, it, it's pretty much out the window.
0: And that's got to impact a lot of the sign codes that are here in the St. Louis area and certainly did for the city of Crestwood. So Mayor, maybe as a realtor and as an elected official, you've led an effort in Crestwood to recently rewrite the sign codes in order to comply with this decision. And in fact, uh, another member of the Board of Aldermen in Crestwood is a realtor, Tony Kennedy. Uh, So I think that kind of emphasizes the importance of having realtors in elected offices. We've got a couple of realtors, that are serving in elected official capacity. And that means that you're able to bring the experience of the realtor and the understanding of the importance of science to our industry when crafting this new legislation to make sure that it's complying with the new first amendment regulations set down by the Supreme Court. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience and how you guys approach that?
1: So we realized early on, it was going to be a major undertaking originally when this decision came down uh, we read it and we realized that you know our current sign code like probably all others in st. Louis County was not going to pass muster we had the city attorney work with at the time was our sign commission to work on a redraft of that code and it started out with kind of a red line let's see if we can uh, edit this paragraph or edit that paragraph But as we got into it, we realized that this decision so fundamentally changed the nature of our sign code, which originally was extremely content-based and and regulated signs by their type, that uh, the red line was getting messier and messier. And at the time, we were also undergoing a rewrite of our zoning code. We then decided that given the, the nature of the task and that this probably was better served with a total rewrite rather than an edit. We tasked our planning and zoning commission working with outside consultants and attorneys to update our sign code. And they drafted it from scratch, looking at some model sign codes that other uh, attorneys had drafted in light of this decision. And then, you know, tweaking it to fit Crestwood's needs. Uh, One of the things that is still allowed is you can have different sign restrictions in the residential and the commercial portions of the city. And and frankly, our residential sign uh, restrictions, those were easier to uh, to tackle. And there was pretty quick consensus there. Crestwood was always one of those cities that allowed real estate signs anyway. And so making those edits was um, not particularly difficult. A lot of the discussion, the debate, uh, spirited disagreement at times was all in the commercial areas and what type of signs, uh, especially related to materials and size should be allowed there what would be aesthetically pleasing for some of our main commercial corridors, what would be more gaudy or, or inappropriate. And then there was a safety discussion as well. Electronic message signs have become uh, extremely popular the last few years. And there were some members of our planning and zoning commission that thought those were just inappropriate and a danger to the motoring public. Others thought they were key for businesses to get their message out. And, um, A lot of people kind of in between. So we we do allow those in Crestwood subject to, to various rules and restrictions then. But that was one of the more contentious issues
0: we tackled. And residential sign codes are always important to our residential members because, again, those for sale signs, the open house signs, the directional arrows are so critical to the business. But for our commercial members, those commercial sign codes, those, as you said, are far more complex. And that's really where we see a lot of cities really wrestling with some of those detailed issues across our region above and beyond even the issues raised in in Reedby Gilbert. Sure. So what would be some advice that you'd give to other municipalities, other cities, as they look to rewrite their sign codes uh, to bring those into compliance with this first amendment issue?
1: Well, beyond beyond looking at the model uh, sign codes and some of the model ordinances drafted and looking at what Crestwood and other cities that have updated their sign code have done, I would certainly recommend hiring consultants uh, if there is a budget for that. And if not, delegate that to a a committee of elected officials and staff so they can uh, do proper outreach to the citizens and to the business community in your town or city and take that input into advice and have that committee do a, a series of kind of work sessions hacking their way through the code because trying to tackle a a rewrite or a massive edit of a code section this substantive for most cities under regular business, having the full city council and full board involved, it is just unwieldy. And obviously the whole board and the whole city council needs to ultimately approve this, but I would try to bring as much of a, a proposed finished product to the full board or city council rather than just having the full city council tear into it and try to handle that as, as a group.
0: What are some examples that we've seen in terms of Reed V. Gilbert, as that's been applied here locally, where have we seen some of these sign ordinance issues pop up?
1: Well, it's, it's been cited in a couple local cases that have made the news a couple of years ago in 2018, a gentleman sued the city of bel and in that case, He was arguing that the restriction that he was only permitted two signs in his yard uh, ran afoul of the Constitution. And in that case, it was election season and he wanted to display two signs for candidates for office, as well as a Black Lives Matter sign. And the the district court actually found that his request for an injunction against the city was inappropriate because the city's Rule was content neutral, that it didn't uh, restrict his sign based on the content, but just on the number. And the Eighth Circuit actually reversed that case and talked about all it was neutral on its face, that the, the limitation on the signs still has to further a compelling governmental interest, interest be narrowly tailored to that end. And it, during an election season, Uh, having a restriction on the number of signs uh, for candidates was inappropriate. So the Eighth Circuit said this wasn't a narrowly tailored uh, ordinance to achieve a compelling governmental interest. And it did that despite the fact that the city of Belnor, again, brought up distracted driving and that it was a small city with lots of schools, uh, small housing lots and narrow streets. And that's where they were trying to connect that to the distracted driving. So. One thing the city of Crestwood has done and a lot of other cities have have done that have redone their sign codes is you try to balance, especially, I mean, the First Amendment is is really focused on that free exchange of ideas and things like that in the political context You you want your residents to be politically engaged and have those free speech rights but you want to balance that against the aesthetics of having yards cluttered with with signs that that are displeasing or distracting to motorists and so while you can't say uh, hey political signs you're allowed 12 of those or 15 of those what you can do is say well for x number of days before and after the statutorily uh, declared election days in missouri whether that's a primary election the municipal election or the general election you the number of signs goes up by the number of candidates or issues on the ballot or something to that effect and you certainly can't say well you can only have signs up for candidates or issues on the ballot someone could put up Completely different signs that have nothing to do with that, but it's a way to allow someone to put up a multitude of political signs around election season and, and fully express their First Amendment views on
0: the number of candidates and issues on the ballot. And you've talked about a compelling state interest and you've talked about strict scrutiny. And the key here is that the first amendment, we're talking about fundamental rights here. So it's a high burden that a government's got to meet in order to have these in place. And I think that's what's been so fascinating in the wake of Reed v. Gilbert is that cities have gotten creative so that they can still do something that's content neutral, that fits the the first amendment according to, to this decision. But as you gave, I think a perfect example of, you know, so many days within an election, you can have extra signs. And I think the same applies for residential signs for our members as well, where, you know, if a home is for sale, then an additional sign can be put out there. It could be a go blue sign, but it's probably a for sale sign. And so I think that's where it's gotten interesting. And and I think you may have made the point earlier. That's really why these have to be rewritten so often and not just edited, because it's a completely different approach that the city has to take towards this.
1: Sure. And like you said, the example you just gave is a perfect one. There's there's creative ways to try to get to the same place the former sign codes had, but you just you have to think about it in a different way of a, a time, place, manner, material restrictions on the signs. You you cannot be if you have to read the sign to figure it out, it it's pretty much out the window.
0: And those time, place, and manner restrictions, that's a phrase that the US Supreme Court has used for decades now in terms of How governments can regulate free speech. They can't regulate what you can say, but they can regulate when you say it, where you say it, the manner in which you say it. Those are some things where they have some flexibility pushing limits around. And
1: there are extremely, extremely narrow content based restrictions that are valid you know, obscenity laws are, are still valid. So a city can prohibit uh, obscene signs, for instance. And while that does rely on having to look at the content, the court has found that there is a, um, you know, a compelling interest in prohibiting those.
0: Mayor maybe, thank you for joining us today. I think it's always an important conversation when we talk about the governmental regulations that impact our members day in, day out. I think the idea of a sign ordinance and this small regulation that I think most of our members don't think about that often, uh, that we take for granted that really impacts the business of our members day in, day out, and how you the know, First Amendment and constitutional law can impact that, and how that then gets applied here at the local level. So we thank you for your service. We're always glad to see realtors in elected office, and thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Charlie, thank you for the time, and thank you for everything you do for the association. Take care.
0: Danielle Finley, and this is Realtor Party Talk, a brief segment with members like you discussing advocacy issues and the importance of the Realtor Local Action Committee, or RPAC. Joining me today is St. Louis County Councilman Mark Harder with Remex Results and one of our Realtor champions. As a Realtor, what inspired you to run for office?
2: I think the thing that inspired me the most was helping people in my community. I've been involved in my community in Baldwin, Missouri, for a long time, and uh, Issues came up concerning some zoning of a retail establishment early on, and people kind of looked to me saying, hey, what can we do to make sure that this establishment did the right things and that they were sensitive to the needs of the surrounding area, which is where I live. And some people then encouraged me to run, and so I ran for alderman in Baldwin back then and won. Uh, and then stayed true to that and helped them navigate through this large retail establishment being located fairly close to a you know an older neighborhood. So we made sure that they were good citizens uh, and they respected the people around them and their homes and their privacies and things like that. So I worked uh, on the board to make sure that uh, those issues were covered and that these people felt that they were they were being heard and so by doing that it kind of you know energizes you and you move on to the next issue and the next issue and suddenly you're in office three years and um and other opportunities pop up to do it at a even a larger scale and that's kind of what happened to me
0: you just listened to realtor party talk Thank you for listening to Real Time Real Estate, a podcast brought to you by St. Louis Realtors. Join us next time for more on real estate news, trends, and industry insights. And be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. St. Louis Realtors, your voice for real estate.